Welcome to Harlow on Healthcare. I'm David Harlow, and I invite you to join me by my virtual hearth as I sit down with healthcare leaders to discuss building the future of healthcare. Today, my guest is Shannon West, who is the Chief Product Officer at Datavant. Before coming to Datavant, Shannon was working in government as Chief Technology Officer at CMMI and also worked at the United States Digital Service involved with bringing technical talent into government to improve delivery of government services. And now back in the private sector, she is working on some interesting projects, advancing some of the goals of government across the private sector. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Great. So I'd like to ask you to start by giving us a thumbnail sketch, if such a thing is possible, of what Datavant is, what you do at Datavant. And then I'd like to segue into the work that you're doing around records exchange and availability, specifically with respect to initiatives from the government. Yeah, absolutely. So at Datamant, we're on a mission to connect the world's health data, something that there's lots of companies who are working on a piece of it today, but we're really focused on building a platform to exchange data between providers, data aggregators, device companies, anyone who's holding clinical health or health adjacent data with requesters of data. And we've been doing that with de-identified data using tokenization or privacy-preserving record linkage to support clinical research, clinical trials. And then on the identified side, we merged with Ciox in 2021 and have been taking a business that historically has moved medical records using fax machines and paper. In 2021, we printed and mailed 70 million pages of medical records just as a sense of scale and moving that really manual process into this fully automated platform that we're building. Sure. And with the advances in interoperability technology, interoperability requirements from government, there's hopefully a lot less paper in your future. Yes, we are definitely hoping so and betting on it, frankly. I think it's the the regulatory landscape, what's happening in terms of a general desire for structured data that doesn't just come in a scanned copy of a PDF is really driving this potential opportunity for us to, to both connect to and share clinical data in a way that I think we've really never seen as an industry. Right. And maybe we can through that lens, get into some of the specifics about a project that I know you're working on. But you mentioned structured data, and this is always a key point that I like to explore. My sense is that no matter how hard we try to move clinicians into entering data in a structured manner, and how hard the EHR systems push in that direction and how hard the clinicians sometimes fight back against that, you know, do we in fact have a whole lot of structured data or are we still dealing in this day and age with a lot of free text notes? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And I love that you brought up kind of clinician perspective. I was sitting watching 
a clinician last week and turned data into an EMR and just the magnitude of the number of checkboxes on the screen, I think made me remember how much we've tried to force behavior in clinicians that might not align with how we actually want care delivered. And the reality is we're collecting a fair amount of information in a structured way, but there is still so much unstructured data and not just in the EMR, but outside the EMR, right? When we talk about PAC systems imaging, when we talk about any of the monitoring or anything else that's happening, I think that there's tremendous opportunity for us to really think thoroughly and thoughtfully about uh, what tools we use to take unstructured data and bring it into a format or normalize or even structure to be used in the future by um, all sorts of applications or for different use cases that we haven't considered. Maybe chat GPT is the defining moment for that. I don't actually think that, but like it could be. <laughs> you never know. Right. Oh my gosh. So many problems on that front from my yes. perspective, right? One interesting description of the service that I saw somebody deliver in an interview on NPR was basically think of these conversational AIs as a over-eager, omniscient intern who sometimes lies. Yeah, I realized <laughs> I had heard that ChatGPT had like generated its own references when asked for references on specific points that it came up with. It's very fascinating. I think I'm excited about it and I'm not someone who gets bullish on new technology. Like I think process and people and habits tend to drive things more so than a shiny new object. It makes me excited, but I'm super weary, especially in healthcare. We're talking mm. about people's lives. We're talking about the lives of our loved ones. I tend to right. remain like a little weary, but also, you know, kind of under the covers a little excited about it too. Sure. Early days and, and, yes. and more to come. So let's talk about something that's working in the real world today. I understand that you're involved in a pilot project implementing a piece of an executive order looking at making health records more readily accessible in a certain market. And I'm interested to hear more about that. There was an executive order that was published by the White House, and it's interesting because the, the title is actually Executive Order on Transforming Federal Customer Experience and Service Delivery to Rebuild Trust in Government. But the piece of the executive order that our team is lucky enough to be working on today is really focused on how we get medical records to new moms and what opportunities there are to improve that experience. As you can imagine, during pregnancy, a mom is visiting her OB-GYN, seeing her primary care doctor, visiting potential specialists with medical records living kind of across potentially multiple providers, even within a single provider, maybe even across multiple EMRs. And so finding the medical records that are associated with everything that happened during pregnancy, during childbirth, and then also in the perinatal period, it is slightly counterintuitive. Like you would have to go and remember every single place that you were seen. And so there's a super interesting opportunity for us to think through as a new mom after a major medical event that happens to our bodies, how do we go and make sure that we get all of the medical records that we need to carry with us in our future interactions with the health system so they're not just forgotten or cordoned off because you know, you're no longer pregnant? 
Right. It's so interesting to me because a, a previous iteration of the way in which we as a, a system manage pregnancy and delivery is bundled payment, global payment, right? The experience gets you on the provider side, a global payment. So why isn't there, why hasn't there been a sort of global approach to record keeping? And it sounds like we're catching up on the record keeping side. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty interesting, right? The, the Recovery Act and meaningful use, which really drove the initial proliferation of electronic health records happened in 2012. And I think about this a lot because it was the year that I was pregnant with my daughter. And I have to tell you, I can't, I, I don't remember if there were electronic medical records that were being used in the midwife's office where I was seen or in the hospital where I eventually delivered. But what I do know is that 15 years later, I don't, I've never seen those medical records. I don't know what was in there. And yet it was this major event that happened to my body, right? It fundamentally changed it. And so it's it's pretty interesting to just think about how much catching up we have to do in the healthcare world to kind of meet the expectations that I think we all have as individuals who are using technology all day and every day in our lives for basic functions, right? Not even something big like healthcare. Right. So here we are today. And how is the landscape changed or, or changing. So what's the infrastructure that you've built or tapped into? And what is the experience from the clinician side and from the patient side today in the context of what you're working on? This is a great question. The way that the executive order was structured was to basically test methods to get medical records in the hands of new moms. And so there's a couple different ways that that can happen. And what what we've leaned into is in our business today, we are the release of information company that staffs the medical record offices in about 40% of the health system. So when someone calls to get their medical record, emails to get their medical record, shows up in person to get their medical record, you're typically interacting with an employee from Ciox, the data man company. What we really wanted to lean into was creating a inclusive solution that meant that anyone in any socioeconomic status, regardless as, as to whether or not they had internet or smartphone, could really get access to the medical record. And we do that by having a form that's filled out that basically selects medical records for a new mom and grabs the medical records that are associated with a specific point in time across multiple visits in a health system in order to collect and return back to a new mom the medical records from pregnancy and the perinatal period. The interesting piece about that is the the kind of juxtaposition to the alternatives that are available today, which are, uh, there's been a lot of excitement around medical records on our iPhones or medical records that are available through third-party applications, which is not I was going to go there. So how is this different from what I might be able to do if I had an iPhone? Yeah, that's a great question. So really what, what we wanted to do is lean into something that felt very inclusive in terms of the ability to access the medical record. So it gets returned in email. It does not require you to have a third-party application. You don't have to have your data kind of flowing through the set of connections that have been built to support patient access, which are super exciting, by the way. They, they just are not for everyone. 
And so really the piece that we were testing was this basic, can we get people to request their record? When they get it, what data do they want? So we're doing a bunch of user research in the background to better understand, like, what do new moms really want from their medical record? How are they using it? How can we help them use it better? And then thirdly, what, like, where are they taking it? Can we potentially even make the process easier for that record to just be exported to their provider versus the patient having to constantly be responsible for being the, the personal, you know, aggregator or file for all the medical records. And so, so that's really kind of how we think about the juxtaposition of those two things. But I think there's solutions out there for, for everyone. Our goal is really to just make sure we don't leave anyone behind in some sort of digital divide. If you're just tuning in, this is Harlow on Healthcare, coming to you on Healthcare Now Radio. I'm David Harlow, and my guest today is Shannon West, Chief Product Officer at DataVent. Shannon, if I wanted to ensure that I had access to my data, right, I I wouldn't necessarily want to have it myself. I just want to know that I can get it if I need it. I can get it to the right person if I need to. If I'm going in to see a specialist, I want to be able to say, oh, gee, yeah, you know, sure, here are my full records from here and there and everywhere, and I don't need to spend a week collecting them before my appointment with the specialist. How does the experience here improve things for, for patients? Yeah, it's, we're early days. So I feel like you're describing a, a utopia that I want to live into, which is why I'm doing this work. But right now we're early. We're talking about being able to get those medical records to patients or to their providers for that single point in time or that single episode or that kind of single bookended time period in a way that's really seamless. The piece that you described that we're in the process of solving for, but haven't as a system overall, is I want to get all my medical records before I show up to my primary care doctor from anywhere I've been seen at any point in time, uh, which just has some additional complexity to it as we're starting to uncover how to know where someone has been seen over the course of their lifetime, how to grab all those records, how to make them available for the clinician and not ideally also not put the burden on the patient, but then also make sure we're not overburdening clinicians with all the data too, right? Like we need to make sure they get the right data to be able to influence decisions that they might want to make in a visit. So there's some complexity to it, but for us, what we're really focused on is that is this specific kind of episode or specific time period that we need to make sure that that moms have access to their records for. Right. And so interesting point that you mentioned, which makes me ask, are there systems here to flag or highlight key bits of information in the record as opposed to just having a massive data dump? Yeah, so in general, there are, I think as an industry, we're still defining them. On the DataVant side or what we've built today, we don't we don't currently do that. We work with partners who do, whether that's an sure. analytics firm or, or another application that the provider is using in part because that choice is typically based on how providers want to practice or what they believe is the most important. So we're early days for that. I think as an industry, we're early days in general, but are getting closer to being able to better understand what are the most important data elements in a variety of situations. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit more about the implementation thus far and, and what are the learnings or the potential learnings for 
other clinical partners or other specialties? Yeah, that's such a great question. So we started off with a single partner, which was Sentara Health System. They were really interested in just kind of constantly delivering good new value for their patients. And this was something that they could lean into in doing that. When we kicked it off, we started to track just responses and feedback from the individual users or requesters in the system. And we were seeing things like out of the people who left feedback, which was about 70% of users, we were getting like 97% positive feedback. And people were leaving us quotes like that it was quick, it was easy to use, easy, very painless. It's kind of, it's super interesting. I was describing this to someone the other day, the tool's really simple. Like when an average, maybe even like slightly technical user goes to use it, you're like, this is it. But people love it because I think we've been so burdened in healthcare by things that are just difficult to use. So so we rolled it out with Sentara. We've since expanded to a number of other health systems in this process of continuing to do research, both meeting with moms who have not yet used the tool to get feedback from them on what information they would be interested in, getting feedback from them on the tool itself, and then also collecting feedback from people who've used the tool so we can continue to iterate and make it better. And that's everything from how is the user experience? What are you doing with your data? Did you get enough of the data that you were looking for? Should we expand it? What else can we include? What would be helpful? And so we're kind of in the middle of that process right now. And our goal is to publish a white paper that shares some of those findings, just in hopes that we can continue to lift up the industry as we're all looking at ways to better serve patients. Sure. So when you say, what do we do with the data? How does it serve patient? How does it serve a clinician working with a patient? Does this sort of data sharing ultimately improve care? I assume that's sort of the core underpinning of the whole exercise, right? And do we know how that works? Do we know if it works? Is it helping? Can it help? It's a tricky outcome. I'm not clear that we've efficiently tracked, have we improved outcomes in general in healthcare and a number of things, including like very obvious treatments for improved outcomes in terms of technology and what data does, what we're hoping to learn in the process and maybe to just share a little bit of kind of the backstory and some of the impetus from when this came about inside the government, there was a listening tour that had happened where a team inside the government got an opportunity to meet with a number of moms who talked about kind of their experiences of what it meant to go through childbirth or to go through post-childbirth without having access to those records. And we heard stories like a mom who had a high-risk birth before, didn't have her old medical records in front of her new doctor, and she was really concerned that this birth might also have some of the same complications, but felt like without the medical record, she couldn't effectively communicate that, or maybe the doctor wouldn't hear that or listen or new moms who might have some health history issue that they believe puts them at higher risk and not having that to communicate to the doctor or or readily available is potentially kind of scary. And so for us, that outcomes piece is really about tracking and understanding what's the most valuable for the mom and what's the most valuable for the provider who's delivering care. And I think we're still early days and really defining what that is. And to me, it paints like a very perfect picture of kind of where we are in the state of maternal health in the country. And so we're hoping that through this process, we'll be able to learn more and continue to build and expand on that to better understand, can we improve outcomes? Can data being 
transferred with a patient or with a new mom post-birth really potentially change the trajectory of her health? I think, you know, we, we can get into talking about just maternal mortality in general and what can change if we've got data in front of providers or in front of anyone else who's paying attention to the health of a, a new mom. Sure. A lot of opportunity for improvement. So turning back a little bit and maybe drawing a little bit on your experience in government, this is all sort of built on a clause of a section of an executive order, right? And the executive order was basically directing different agencies within government to try some new stuff and see how it works, how it can help people in different domains. And this is helpful and doesn't seem to me like we need a new act of Congress or a new regulation at CMS or elsewhere in HHS in order to advance this idea. You know, it's something that sounds like a good idea. You know, if it works, people will adopt it. We don't need a law. There will be other things, though, that will require action either by the White House or the administrative agencies or, or will require an act of Congress. So do we have a way forward, do you think, to work without necessarily requiring an act of Congress here? Not, not for this particular project, but for adjacent opportunities. Yeah, I have pretty strong feelings in this, which is for the most part, I think we have the regulatory framework that we need to drive data sharing. And it's HIPAA. I think there are lots of people who might not agree with me on this, but I actually, I really, I think HIPAA is one of the greatest pieces of regulation because it's it's something that really, I think, is timeless and it has has moved well in, in a world where we're not just talking about paper medical records, but we're also talking about digital medical records as well. And I think the reality is, what drives behavior around data sharing is both consumer demand and patients really leaning in and saying, I want my medical records. Doctors leaning in and saying, we need medical records in order to deliver the best care for our patients. I think true for administrative functions as well. The piece that I would say I think we're still a little bit behind on is when we think about incentives across the health system, maybe more specifically how we fund health insurance or how we pay providers, There's likely areas there for us to be better aligned on where I think that regulatory intervention could help. If we think about the future of kind of value-based care, which I know is a little bit of like a hand-wavy buzzword, but when we think about a world where we're paying for outcomes, that really drives this need to have data moving with a patient, to have data moving between an insurance company or a payer and the provider or any other entity that's involved in managing or delivering care. And so I think that those are the pieces I'm most interested in. I'm less interested in or less bullish, to be frank, on anything that's like a specific requirement around a technical solution that someone should build. I think that regulation always has so many unintended consequences and it tends to get it wrong. And so that's really where my perspective is on this. And I I feel pretty strongly that, you know, we've got the framework. We just need to lean into it as an industry. Yeah, understood. I I think I would tend to agree. You push the balloon in one side and something pops out the other. Absolutely. I would just observe, I share your fandom for HIPAA, so to speak. And the only exception I would take to it is that it didn't really account for 
the growth in the digital health space, sort of the non-HIPAA yep. regulated space that contains a tremendous amount of health data. Yeah. And to a certain extent, we're sometimes blinded to that, which is problematic. But yeah, hopefully absolutely. things will improve along those lines in the future. Definitely. Well, to wrap things up, Shannon, I'll ask you my final question, which is if you were to wake up tomorrow and find yourself five years in the future, what's one thing in healthcare that you would hope or maybe expect to find has changed drastically? It's a great question. I think on the hope side of the question, I hope that we're in a position where patients are no longer carrying binders of medical records to each and every one of their doctor's visits, but instead data is flowing really seamlessly with patients as they move through the health system. On the expect side of that, I'm maybe a little more pessimistic. I think we might make it a little better. I think we'll all have our records on our smartphones or in our Google Drives. I'm not convinced of the flow with this quite quite as seamlessly in five years. In 10 years, definitely. But in, in five years, I may be a little, little more pessimistic. Okay. So we're moving into a more paperless future at the very least. Yep. Absolutely. Thank you very much for speaking with me today. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. You have been listening to Harlow on Healthcare. Join us at healthcarenowradio.com. Let's continue the conversation on building the future of healthcare together at hashtag Harlow on HC. I'm David Harlow, keeping the fire going and holding a seat open for you. Until next time.